Black Friday, Cyber Monday, ordering all my things. Crossing names off the list, I'm so ahead of the game this year. No last minute shopping for me. I'm first minute shopping, baby. But wait, oh no. After Cyber Monday comes... Hey man, get back here with my package. Taking Tuesday. In Washington state, some homeowners are fighting back. They're tired of people stealing their packages. The LAPD has busted a sophisticated package theft ring. In the Thefts of packages left in buildings and front porch doorsteps is surging nationwide, a whopping 1.7 million packages a day. The head on today explained the very annoying and hard to solve problem of porch pirates and your stolen packages, and a great alternative you may have forgotten about, but thankfully, Gen Z remembers. Support for Che Explained comes from FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. If you like spy thrillers or indeed Elizabeth Moss, then you might want to check out FX's The Veil. It's an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. Oh, I'll go. One woman has a secret, same here, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming only on Hulu. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA. Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. You're listening to Today Explained. Okay, hi, my name is Wizzy, and I am a senior reporter at Vox, covering money, the economy, consumer issues and trends, just anything under the sun, really. Wizzy! Just Wizzy like Beyonce, her latest opus is all about package theft, which might be even worse than usual for Americans this week. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, some studies say Cyber Monday is the worst day for package theft because it's all about like the nice, shiny, expensive tech that you're getting delivered to your home, right? So especially Cyber Monday, I think people need to watch out. We asked Wizzy if this problem of package theft is getting worse in America because Anecdotally, it certainly feels that way. I think the answer is maybe, probably. (laughs) That's kind of like what I found through my reporting. It feels like everyone's talking about packages being stolen. In Pittsburgh, Houston, and Los Angeles, these alleged porch pirates are quick and brazen. Watch as this man in broad daylight is caught on not one, but five security cameras ripping into this package. She's a porch pirate disguised as an Amazon driver. This homeowner says he was so exasperated with front porch thievery, he rigged a package that detonates when it's lifted. If you only looked on Nextdoor and the Ring camera forums, you would think that this was the biggest issue that Americans are currently facing. And I imagine 
that has some kind of effect on our psyche too. If you're on these places where constantly you're being barraged with messaging about how bad it is. And just even the growth of doorbell cameras around the country has led to this sort of vigilante culture, right? Where people are constantly surveilling other people. So just hypervigilant about the possibility of package theft. So it definitely feels like the dial on talking about package theft has gone way, way up. But the problem is we don't actually have really good recent hard numbers on it. Huh, why not? I think a lot of retailers don't want to reveal that information if they even uh, track it themselves internally. And a lot of researchers just haven't really studied it over time yet. So it's really unclear how bad the epidemic is, in part because even law enforcement's like, well, we're not going to focus specifically on this thing. And only about 9% of people even bother reporting package theft to the police. But, you know, there are a few studies out there. Consumer Reports did one, I think, in 2021, and it was supposed to be representative of the U.S. population and all of that. And that one found that maybe around 11% of people have experienced package theft, which, you know, it's not some overwhelming thing that, you know, everyone is getting affected, but certainly people are dealing with it. Why aren't companies telling us more about what's going on here? Why aren't they giving us the numbers? Well, I think the MO of most companies is that they don't want their customers to worry about their services. They just want us to think, hey, everything's going to be super easy and cheap and quick for you. Don't worry your little head about it. Just make another order. Deliveries are free and unlimited. It's easy. And I mean, e-commerce is still a very much growing sector. You know, we talk about online shopping all the time and most of our shopping now starts online. So by that, I mean people will search for something on Google, look around, see what retailers even would carry this product. But only 15% of purchases are still made online. So there's still a lot of room to grow. In that growth stage, of course, they want you to think, no, things are great. This is so easy and convenient for you to just have things delivered. And when a package gets stolen, be it an Amazon package or something from Best Buy or or Tiffany and Company or whatever, who bears the brunt of that cost? Who's really losing out there? Often the cost of shipping is either priced into the cost of a good or more increasingly, increasingly we pay for it sort of upfront with a subscription like Amazon Prime or Walmart Plus. Uh, so that's At the end of the day, I would say consumers pay for it. But when a package gets lost, as of now, if you say, you know, my package was stolen, it's just not where it's supposed to be, most big retailers take a pretty generous view of it and they'll send you a refund or a replacement pretty easily and you're good. So I guess this brings us to a a very important question, which is, is anyone along the line doing anything to actually stop all of the theft, the millions upon millions of packages that are being stolen every year. I would say that Amazon is definitely doing something. They are sort of the leaders on this from start to finish. Um, Not only is our customer service pretty generous, but also I'm sure people have noticed by now, Amazon has so many of those lockers um, in apartments, in, Mm. in businesses. You can choose to have your packages delivered there and just pick them up um, after work or whenever you have a free minute. 
Okay, so that's Amazon, but what about, you know, the little guy and the mom and pop and what have you? Yeah, that's where it gets tougher because, like I said, shipping is so expensive. If even a small percentage of people are saying, hey, my package, my order was stolen, that's going to cost them way too much to try to just replace and provide that Amazon-like customer service. Mm -hmm. So um, a retailer like Etsy, they're rubbing up against this a little bit because even though Etsy is like this big famous company, they're made up of individual third-party sellers, right? And individual Etsy sellers might feel a little bit like, okay, I can't afford to do this. So where does that leave us? I mean, do you just have to do all your holiday shopping or whatever it might be with the expectation that you might get robbed? Um, I think some people will continue to just take their chances, especially if it hasn't really bothered you up until now, you're still pretty much trusting of the service. I think for people who have dealt with package stuff before, definitely for time sensitive or expensive things, um, gifts around the holiday season, they might see more and more of an incentive to maybe browse online for the best deal, but actually go to the store to pick up the item. Mmm, going back to the store. That's always an option. Yeah, yeah. It turns out we can't live our entire lives online. Are people taking that option, Wizzy? They definitely are. Something that's emerged out of the pandemic is actually that we thought that e-commerce has taken over and we're never going back. Actually, that hasn't panned out. E-commerce surged hugely during the pandemic, but it's actually gone down quite a bit since, you know, stores and businesses and everything reopened. And there's been a huge rise, actually, in people choosing that mix of ordering online but picking up in-store or doing curbside pickup, things like that. People want to talk to other people? They like the customer service, yeah, of talking to actual humans instead of a chat bot. And also just the the security of knowing exactly when you can, you know, roll up to a store and have an item in your hands. And stores don't mind that either because, like I said, you know, shipping is expensive. And also, if you have a brick-and-mortar location and you get a customer in the door, uh, they're much more likely to spend more money while they're in the store browsing, Mm. seeing random things. So it's sort of a win-win. One of the biggest things that I felt reporting this story was... The awareness of package theft and the obsession over it is more of like a symptom of this bigger thing where we're realizing unlimited growth of online shopping and home delivery maybe isn't sustainable. Uh, It's already showing some kinds of issues, obstacles with package theft, but also just our streets are overrun with delivery vans and and people just always ferrying things around. Uh, So I think this is just one example of where online shopping and home delivery is not this perfect solution to all of our shopping needs. Wizzy, she writes for Vox. Find her stuff at Vox.com. Turns out there's this place that has everything you need. No, not Amazon. We're going back to the everything store that doesn't deliver when we're back on Today Explained. We're going back to the mall. 
Today Explained support today comes from Quince, which rhymes with since, but is spelt with a Q-U. The poet Josh O'Donohue once said, we're getting very classy here, when one flower blooms, spring awakens everywhere. Now, I don't know exactly if that's true, it tells me to tell you, but I do know that Quince offers timeless essentials that they say never go out of style no matter what the season. And honestly, that also kind of sounds like a poem, doesn't it? Not only that, Quinn says all of their items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Take it away, Claire White. The style feels great. It feels really timeless. It feels like a cut that I could wear over and over again and through a lot of different seasons. I love a plain sweater. You can upgrade your wardrobe this spring by going to quince.com slash explain for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash explained to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash explained. It rhymes with since. Support for the show comes from Shopify today. Shopify is, of course, the global commerce platform flexible enough to help your business sell at every stage of growth. You know that friend of yours who's like on that next level yoga, who's like doing backflips? That's like Shopify when it comes to helping your business sell at every stage of growth. No matter what you're making, Shopify can help you turn browsers into buyers and sell your products everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person point-of-sale system. Shopify offers the flexibility to support your operation. And right now they're offering Shopify Magic, an AI-powered helper created to give you a little boost and help you stress less and sell more. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash explained. Go to shopify.com slash explained now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash explained. Support for Today Explained comes from Quince. It's spring, which means it's time to shed that enormous puffer jacket and don some more sunshine-appropriate attire. In that case, you may want to check out Quince. Quince offers springtime pieces like 100% organic cotton gauze tiered maxi dresses and 100% European linen blazers. I really want to currently Google organic cotton gauze tiered maxi dresses. In the meantime, here's here's Claire White from, from our business team here at Vox. Everything I've received is incredibly comfortable and the quality was really surprising. After now receiving this first batch, I feel like I can trust that the quality is going to be good across the board. I googled the dresses. There's there's all kinds. I've seen those dresses. You can indulge in affordable luxury by going to quince.com slash explain for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash explain to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash explained. Sean Ramos from former mall rat, former mall employee. But that was like 20 years ago. No one goes to the mall anymore, right? Wrong. 
Apparently, Gen Z goes to the mall. According to the International Council of Shopping Centers, which I'm told is a real thing, Gen Z's more interested in the mall than millennials and even Gen X. No, no, there is something out there that can help ease our simultaneous double loss. Ritual suicide. No, you idiot, the fucking mall! You know who else isn't giving up on the mall? Alexandra Lang. I'm the author of Meet Me by the Fountain and Inside History of the Mall. And what made you want to write a book about a mall? Well, I am a child of the 80s. So I grew up going to shopping malls. Um, and actually, I really see it as an outgrowth of my previous book, which was called The Design of Childhood, which was all about the toys and spaces that shape early childhood. And I realized that the space that shapes adolescence historically has really been the mall. When you come to the mall with your friends, you don't go shopping or anything. You just hang out, buy records, always running around, oh, look at that cute guy over there, oh, look at this. You never get time for shopping, but it's pretty good. It's a good time to waste the time here. And for all the adolescents out there who maybe <laughs> don't really have the mall experience at their disposal right now, can you just remind them what the mall glory of your youth maybe looked like? Well, let's see. Um, my favorite mall growing up was South Square Mall in Durham, North Carolina. I loved it because it had The Gap, it had B. Dalton, it had a big food court with an Orange Julius, it had a movie theater. So I could go there and meet friends or just wander around by myself you know, looking at some books that maybe my mom didn't want me to read, trying to figure out what the joke gifts were at Spencer Gifts, buying a sweater. Um, it was just a great place to spend a weekend afternoon. And how does that compare, that experience compare, say, to online shopping? Because that's what we were talking about in the first half of the show. What are the virtues of mall shopping versus e-commerce? Well, I think the thing about the mall is that it was really a multi-sensory experience, right? You've got your food smells, you have your bath and body work smells, you can touch the sweaters, you can try them on. I mean, what I hear from people about online shopping is that it's become increasingly difficult to know what you're really gonna get. And especially for women, um, clothing sizing is really all over the map. So it can just be really frustrating. And wouldn't it be more fun to get one thing that's exactly what you want and maybe also have that be a social event where you can meet people and do it with friends? But important to ask here, Alexandra, is how is the mall doing right now? I presume badly. Yeah, it's really, it's kind of a bifurcated story because some malls are doing really great. I went to Garden State Plaza in New Jersey a couple of weeks ago on a Saturday and it was packed. Huh. I saw a lot of families, like multi-generational shopping. You know, there hmm. were a lot of people carrying like huge bags from the sporting goods stores, huge bags from the Lego stores. I was there to report a story about teenagers in the mall, so I walked around the food court and kind of went up to groups of teenagers that I saw eating. Chick-fil-A <laughs> was very popular. Well, what did they have to say about the mall? What did the teens think of the mall in 2023? They love the mall. <laughs> um, huh, yeah. That's great to hear. See me, be behind the mall. But 
many other malls are doing badly. After more than 50 years, Eastland Mall will shut its doors for good Saturday. Once a crown jewel for retail shopping, tonight the Westfield San Francisco Center is pulling the plug on its famed downtown mall. It was once one of the largest malls in the region and one of the most profitable in the country, but that time has come and gone. So it's basically like post-2007 recession, malls ran into a real um, economic headwind for a variety of reasons. And malls have been closing like every year since then. The pandemic accelerated some of those patterns, but basically like there has been a mass mall die-off and there are a variety of different estimates about how many malls are gonna die off over the next five to seven years. Are the malls that are succeeding in 2023 doing anything different from the malls that we might remember from our childhoods? Well, there's definitely an echelon of malls that is succeeding by doing the same thing. Somebody I talked to was talking about King of Prussia Mall. A Philadelphia queen from down the main line. King of Prussia Mall. It has, you know, Nordstrom and other high-end department stores. It has Williams-Sonoma. It has a really great food court. It's just like the shiniest, sparkliest, most deluxe version of the classic mall. However, there are a lot of malls that have lost their department store anchors because a lot of department store companies have filed for bankruptcy, Sears, JCPenney, et cetera. And so malls that are still successful that have a failed anchor are the ones that have quickly found something else to go into that location. Hmm. And I think the things I'm seeing the most are either food businesses or entertainment outlets, and particularly kind of active family entertainment like trampoline parks. A new attraction will soon be opening up at the Holyoke Mall. The new Altitude Trampoline Park is waiting to open their doors to the public. Mini golf. And they have a glow golf here, so we're gonna dive in, check it out. We were just walking around the mall and we found this place. Fancy gyms with climbing walls. This was an underutilized space at Mall of America. So it was nothing. It was nothing. It's a great location for Climb Zone. You know, things that you can have your kid's birthday party at, things that you can go to in the winter to blow off steam. And then the other thing is kind of um, a hyper version of the classic food court, which people like to call a food call or a food marketplace, where it's more local vendors that have a small outlet there. There might be a market where they sell prepared foods. It's more gourmet because people's tastes have really gone upscale. Um, but it makes food into part of the whole entertainment ethos. Okay, so that's like the positive side of this story. But what about the negative side? You're talking about, it sounds like hundreds, if not thousands of malls across the United States dying off. What happens to all that retail space? What happens to all those stores? What happens to all those companies? Yeah. I mean, it's a really sad story. And if you live in a town where there's a dead mall, I, I feel like it's one of those things you don't realize quite how big the mall is until it becomes this void. For now, the building will remain standing, a reminder of the memories many share. You know, one of the messages I've been trying to get across with my book is that these dead malls can be tremendous opportunities. 
We're talking a lot about how a lot of cities and suburbs need new housing. Well, the parking lot of the mall is a perfect place to build new housing. A lot of people like will say to me, can't we just like turn malls into apartments? And I'm like, well, not really. I mean, the, the thing that's good about mall architecture is wide open spaces without barriers. Mm. Um, you know, nicer malls actually do have daylight because they will have a glass roof or an atrium, but they certainly don't have individual windows and they don't have the kind of, you know, plumbing hookups that you need for all the kitchens and bathrooms for apartments. So I really think the wave of the future is going to be building new purpose-built housing on the parking lots and then hopefully making the mall into the main street for those new neighborhoods. You know, the the malls would be more successful if they had more of a built-in audience and, you know, hundreds or thousands of people like living around your mall is the kind of built-in audience that you need for a supermarket and a liquor store and a dry cleaner and all these other services. Oh, so you're saying the mall could once again become a mall if you build housing around it. Yep. <laughs> so that actually brings me to a question I wanted to ask you, which is, is anyone out there bold enough to be building new malls? It is happening in Toronto, sort of in the city. Um, they have just built a new mall called The Well. And it's actually this really interesting hybrid of a mall and a galleria and a shopping street. So the project that's underway here is called The Well. And once it's complete, it's going to be over 3 million square feet in size. And basically, it's going to be like a community with residential areas. There's going to be offices and retail spaces. So let's go have a look. It has a glass roof over three stories of retail with a whole marketplace and food hall at the bottom. But the ends of that covered space are open, sort of open to the elements. So it's not all sealed in like a traditional mall, um, but it does have a roof and it will kind of block the wind and be a warmer environment in winter. And the other important thing about it is it's built, let's say, in an urban environment and um, they have built six residential buildings and one office tower over it. So that's the kind of like built-in shopper that I was talking about being needed to revive some malls. And they have, you know, this huge audience living literally upstairs from the mall. I wonder, you know, in 2023, the year of our Lord, where <laughs> so many people don't want to leave the house anymore, they want to do everything online— does it feel like the mall is actually at risk? I really believe that, you know, whatever the technology is, like wh however we can shop now, you know, people are people and people need to be with people. Mm. And that is the kind of activity that the design of the mall has always supported. It is a very uh, sociable place. It's wonderful. You meet good people here. And, uh, and they meet Bible. You see, yeah. <laughs> I understand that, you know, people are busier, it's more convenient to buy certain things online. But I don't think ultimately that, like, that's the thing that's going to save them all. I think the thing that is going to save them all is people's desire to have a place to go, to have a place to eat with other people, to meet up with friends, et cetera, et cetera. And I just don't really see that as changing. I mean, there's all this reporting now about 
teenagers being depressed, people being lonelier than ever. And one of the things I think we need to do as a society to combat that is make more places where people can get together and not have them all be hideously expensive. And I think that is a niche that the mall has always filled and can continue to fill into the future. Alexandra Lang loves them all. Read all about it in her book, Meet Me by the Fountain, an inside history of them all. Amna Al-Sadi edited our show today. Patrick Boyd mixed it. Laura Bullard fact-checked us. And John Aarons produced John Loves Them All, even though there aren't any in Vermont where he lives. John's time with us at Today Explained has come to an end. But if history is any indication, he'll be back for now. We'll miss you, John. Happy Giving Tuesday, everybody. Happy Giving Tuesday, everybody.